think through possible scenarios that could come out of left field, or maybe maybe a diagnosis has happened, and you know we've actually had a couple of people lately. It's like cognitive decline, the early signs of dementia. All right, great. Let's make sure cars are titled properly, that bank accounts are titled properly, that you, that she can access. So we've got power of attorneys in place. You know, we've got them at the investment house. We, we've got them, you know, so for at the bank because sometimes they don't use the ones the lawyers gave you. So there's all these different things, and when you can do this in advance and be willing to talk about it. Everybody's in a better space, but I think so often we just close down on difficult news and it freezes us. So sometimes some people don't do anything, which just compounds the issue. Welcome to the Boomer Woman's Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. Boomer Women. Are we wise women? Are we mavens? Are we crones? Hell yeah. And we're also still curious, fun-loving, interesting, the list goes on. This podcast is for you. My guests are folk who have a message for our demographic. And if you want to hear a specific message, let me know and I'll find the guests. This podcast is also a conversation. We women know its value. We know how to do it and we must perpetuate the art form. I try and let my guests have the greater say, and usually we fit in a good laugh or two. Listen in now to today's guest. Finances. Retirement. Subjects we all either have considered or are considering, or should be, I've had conversations with a number of financial advisors over the last few years. They all have slightly different thoughts, and I've hoped that at least one would resonate. My guest today has a similar background with financial planning, and she has a few other pieces of the puzzle she brings to the table. She focuses on widows and life planning, other than just the financial. Paula Harris, welcome to the Boomer Woman's podcast. Thank you so much, Agnes, for having me today. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to this. Almost every time I talk to a guest about finances, I ask the question about the repercussions of the family finance caretaker predeceasing the financially unaware spouse. Aha. Uh-huh. How did you come to make widows your focus? Interesting how you phrase that. You didn't sign an uh, agenda to who was the financial caretaker because that's interesting. It's interesting. I, I find that no matter how accomplished women are, they still often defer the money decisions to husbands, to spouses. So it's just kind of interesting. But uh, two ways they've come to it. One, my grandmother, Mary, she was widowed all the life that I knew her. She was widowed when I was about a year and a half at the age of 50. So I watched this woman navigate the world on her own and how she gave back into her community by becoming very active in her local senior center and how she still lived a full life. Um, so that was you know, a great role model that taught me a lot about widowhood. And then early on in our practice, we had a wonderful client. Um, I actually went to school with one of her sons and my husband who went to school somewhere else in another town. He went to school with one of her other sons. She had um, had a eight children. And Mrs. Sullivan was just this wonderful woman and, you know, navigating life on her own, you know, you, 
she needed assistance. She accepted assistance and she built this incredible trust with us. And it was such a privilege to help her navigate those years and then get her family set um, as well through the, the planning we did with her. It was just really a very rewarding person to help. And then from there, it sort of just started to ripple to finding more single women, widowed women that really appreciated the advice that we would give and, and be that thinking partner with them. Mm. Uh, I, I do agree with you that usually it is the woman who will often, the wife who will often defer the financial decisions. Uh, but I'm also becoming more and more aware of younger people who are, you know, like even younger boomers who know the woman has taken care of all, all the money and uh, figured yeah. out where things go and stuff like that. So yeah. I'm, I'm careful to be gender neutral. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I will say mo more often than not, women do control the checkbook. They may not control the investments, but they control the checkbook. Oh, okay. Okay. So maybe that's where, yeah, got that part. So, so where do you start with, say, a newly widowed, but financially, okay, financially unaware as in where are the investments, where is, you know, the retirement funds, where are the retirement funds? So you start with a newly widowed, financially unaware spouse. I mean, they have so much on their minds and on their hearts. It's, it must be a yeah. difficult conversation to get into. It is because you're you're playing sort of part therapist, um, like grief counselor at the time. And you have to be very careful because you do know that there are very important things that need to be taken care of, but you need to do that in a way that has a lot of empathy and compassion. And you can't push her too fast. Um, and you sometimes have to slow her down. Sometimes it's uh, in, in that sort of, I'll say, rage of grief. It's like, I have to do things, I have to do things. Uh, and they do things too quickly. But it's usually, you know, starting with, you know, if you didn't know the spouse, tell me about him or, or her. Tell me about, you know, give me their name. Talk about them. Tell me stories. Um, if there are children, you know, find the life story first and then, you know, find out what's most important on her mind. And often it is, will I be okay? Um, and do I have enough, you know, do I have enough money? And so you, it, it's a little bit like peeling back an onion sometimes it's or a treasure hunt because things may or may not be well organized. And we actually were dealing with a widow and her daughter recently and the father took care of everything and he had piles and piles and piles of papers. So the, the patience to go through all that at a time when you're grieving, especially if it's something sudden is very hard. So, Often we also encourage if there's another family member or friend that can be a part of, especially the initial meetings, they can be the eyes and ears, the note taker. Um, it's always important to have a notebook for the newly widowed because she's not going to remember half of what's said because of that brain fog, that grief fog. So it's this, you know, first just finding out what's happening, what's most on her heart and mind and then trying to guide her from there and knowing how much you can accomplish at one meeting at a time. Do you ever have situations, and I am just going to do such a really blatant gender typing here, um, you know, where the woman comes from you, comes to you, her husband has recently passed, and it turns out that while he was in control, he either had, you know, things spread all over the place, you know, like 18 different institutions. Yeah or didn't want to admit that he was 
investment illiterate, shall we say, and just pretended that he knew what everything was doing. So basically did whatever he was told to do by his financial advisor. Yep. Or there's not even a financial advisor and they did it on their own and they listened mm-hmm. to their neighbor or cousin or, um, yeah. I, so I, I have client stories and then I have just stories that people have shared over time or well, one of the heartbreaking ones was a gentleman who really thought he was going to get better and he was self-employed and he stopped paying the life insurance policy. And so when he passed away, he never told his wife that, and there was not that money that she thought she'd be able to live on. And she's in her fifties. That Those are devastating. And we had another client who came to us after everything had happened as well. And the life insurance didn't even cover the mortgage. So again, not enough life insurance at all. Someone recently, not it's not a widow, but soon will be. He made a bad business decision. He's still trying to manage his finances in his 90s. And he got taken on a, a deal for millions of dollars. Um, so th- those stories exist uh, tremendously. And, and uh, of course, nobody wants to share them very broadly because they don't want to admit you know, either that their their spouse didn't know that they didn't know. And I, I do think often, and again, this will be a little bit more stereotypical that in our society, especially sort of boomers or even the silent generation, the man dealt with the money. So they, of course they knew. And women just assume, yes, of course he would know because that was just sort of the role sometimes people played. But there's a great quote by Barbara Stanny, and I'm going to get it a little off right now, but your job is to, deal with your finances, not from ignorance or habit, but from a place of um, knowledge and power. And, you know, getting educated is just so important. And don't, I think it was also a Ronald Reagan quote, trust with verification. You can trust someone, but every once in a while you want to have that meeting to make sure that, you know, things that are being said are actually being implemented. There's so much complication. I'll go one more quick story. We're trying to get someone to consolidate assets, retirement plans. But the gentleman has such a loyalty to each place that he worked. He, in his mind, feels it's disloyal to to consolidate away from the retirement plan at, you know, employers A, B, and C. So he keeps them there, despite the fact that they're in their 80s. You have to drive everywhere. You know, one doesn't drive anymore. And it's like, you need to solve this. Nope, nope, I've got it. And people can't envision themselves for that day that they can't handle things. And it's very humbling to know that that day will come for most of us, but letting go and asking for help before that is so important. Yeah, I have a similar story insofar as I work with frailer elderly women. And right now, this couple, she's almost 90, he's in his 90s. And he's been in control all of his life and I'm sure he's done a good job. I mean, I'm sure their, you know, their investments are, will easily see them through any future they want to go through. But of course, all of these institutions that he's dealt with or whomever are going uh, online now. And he has to make appointments online. He has to download statements online, all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, I go to visit her and I hear this little voice saying, oh yeah, when you have, you know, 15 minutes, can you come up to my office? (laughs) So I can at least get them onto his computer so then he can look yeah. at them and try. And he prints everything then because that's the, the language he understands. Well, you're, you're raising a really good point. You know, I've been dealing with my own parents as they age. Uh, my father does not use a cell phone. My mother does. But we, as a society, are pushing everything online. And 
that is very hard for people. Like here's an example. They're temporarily at their summer house. Well, now, if you didn't know this, the, the United States Post Office requires you to show up in person and have your license scanned in order to have your mail forwarded even temporarily. Well, they didn't know that and they don't drive and they sent the form in and mail has been stuck in a loop. And, you know, not having necessarily the wherewithal to say, like, call and, and figure this out and nor does someone tell them, you know, every verification code comes to your cell phone. You, it is it is really handicapping a large segment of our population, this constant need to put everyone online. And then I think we're going to have a backlash with younger people. People are opting not to be so much online. Um, you know, people don't want to be married to their tel their cell phone. So, you know, but that's where we're being forced to go for like everything. The other thing I see, too, with that older generation, the silent generation is you know, even if they're online and they're mastering a whole bunch of that stuff, their yep. password is their birth date. Okay. Yep. For everything. Absolutely everything. And I'm like, no. <laughs> but it, you know, I, I've gotten into things like LastPass, which helps. Oh, I love LastPass. <laughs> but that is a real challenge trying to have some unique passwords. <laughs> I let them generate them for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, LastPass is easy. But if you're, you know, you're that 90 year old. Oh, yeah. On your own, like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, dear. Okay. Now, I saw on your website something called Curveball Life Planning. I, mean, I think we've covered some of those curveballs already, but can you uh, be more specific? Sure. So much of what I'm really passionate about doing is empowering people before a situation happens. And so curveball comes in our, come in our lives all the time in all shapes and forms. Um, you know, personal stories. My husband's brother died suddenly a year ago. And then his parents died. And so now you've got those two curveballs of like, how do you help people navigate, you know, the, a death situation? How do you navigate you know, the finances and, un, you know, unpacking a life of 70 years um, in a of a married house? You know, curveballs come in diagnosis, you know, when you weren't expecting, um, you know, whether it be the young child, you know, we had a neighbor who recently at 18 just passed away after a one year illness or, you know, the sudden tragedy of somebody taking someone else's life and you're left grieving the loss of, you know, your loved ones. And how do I rebuild my life? Curveballs can be, you lost your job. You're in, you know, you're in your late fifties and you're like, how am I going to figure, reinvent myself? There's, you know, so many different curveballs, but getting a plan in place, you, you know, you're not going to get it a hundred percent, but if you have things written down, it's so key. And one of the sort of early stories before I ever got into this business, I, I worked with a woman named Mo. She and her husband rode motorcycles and they went away for the weekend and they left their two kids with the neighbor and they skidded and they both died on that weekend away. And these two children with no will in place, no instructions to how to handle the children, what happens to them? And the neighbor was actually willing to raise them, but there were two different families, you know, the mother and the father who had different motivations as to why they wanted to raise kids. You know, some of it was for access to money to, you know, like some, some of them didn't have good habits, you know, that would be conducive for raising children. But now you've got a situation where you've, got nothing in place and you've just left two children as wards of the state 
who have to figure this out. So, so for a long time, I've just thought about these situations and how do you have, if they had had a plan in place and documented, it would have still been as tragic, but it wouldn't have carried on for the months and years it probably carried on to, to settle and the scars would be a lot less on all the families. So we really try to help people think through possible scenarios that could come out of left field, or maybe maybe a diagnosis has happened. And you know, we've actually had a couple of people lately, it's like cognitive decline, the early signs of dementia. All right, great. Let's make sure, you know, cars are titled properly, that bank accounts are titled properly, that you, that she can access. So we've got power of attorneys in place, you know, we've got them at the investment house, we, we've got them, you know, so we're at the bank because sometimes they don't use the ones the lawyers gave you. So there's all these different things. And when you can do this in advance and be willing to talk about it. Everybody's in a better space, but I think so often we just close down on difficult news and it freezes us. So sometimes some people don't do anything, which just compounds the issue. Yeah. I'm always amazed at, um, you know, people who with children who don't have some sort of a will in place. I think it was, I was hardly probably six months pregnant and my former husband and I we had you know, somebody in and we had like all of that taken care of just because it was so, just so scary that you know some stranger or foster family would would raise their their children yeah it those out of out of left field things curveballs yeah yeah people just don't understand and of course the other part of the the whole memory loss is you reach a certain point with uh, dementia that once you have a diagnosis, you are not legally allowed to sign papers, or at least it's not legally yeah. recognized in yeah. many places. I don't know. Certainly I'm in Canada. So I mean, certainly okay. up here it's, uh, it's like that. Yeah. So, okay. Wills, uh, that sort of thing. Yeah. What sort of documents, what other important documents do you think people should always have done and on hand? Like you got to tell yeah. somebody where they are. I, I, well, in the United States, trusts are also very important. So wills and trusts. And so basically a will is a letter to the probate court, which will be all public that can be put in the newspaper to let everyone know what you have and what, you know, how to contact. I actually had a call with a widow yesterday who said that because my husband died without any documentation, my name was all over the paper and I got phone calls. We'll help you sell your house. We'll help you do this. And so trusts, at least in the United States, help keep things private. And so that's a big deal for a lot of people. So a will is part of that whole process, including your healthcare proxy, power of attorney. So those documents are really important. Also having, you know, knowing where, if you are married, your marriage certificate, military discharge papers, you know, death certificates are important if one person's died um, or you've had a child that's died, you know, to access things like social security, uh, you wanna make sure you have uh, birth certificates Sometimes baptismal records are important too in that whole process. You want to make sure uh, you know, someone who's been in the military in the United States, I'm not going to get the right name of the form. I'm learning this because my dad's a vet, a veteran. You know, it's your discharge paper and it's called like a DD-24. And if you talk to the Veterans Administration, they always talk about that. And it's like, what? You have to translate this. I'm not a military person. What does this mean? So sometimes you have to learn whole new languages and systems in order to figure these things out. So ideally, you know, your life insurance, you want to make sure it's paid up. Um, you want to make sure that the beneficiaries are, are correct. Sometimes I heard a story one time, uh, this was about a retirement plan. And a, a young man started his job and he named his brother, but he had a sister as well. But the sister at the time was a minor. 
you know, fast forward 10 years, he dies in his 30s, the brothers, you know, early 30s, and the sisters now in the 20s, he never updated it. She didn't get any of the money and she thinks he didn't love her. But it was just never looked at again, you know, and she was a minor and you don't name minors for for um, situations like inheriting money because it would have to go into trust. Uh, another, so life insurance, we're big proponents are often of term insurance for the times that you need it. You know, if, you, if you're financially set at 75, you may not need to still have a life insurance policy unless you're using it for legacy purposes. Um, so kind of checking in at different stages of life saying, why do I have this? Uh, long-term care is becoming a bigger and bigger, uh, I guess we'll say need potentially for people because the the cost of, of getting out of this world can be more expensive than maybe what you spent the most of your life, which if you're helping elderly people, you're probably seeing some of that. The healthcare costs as we, we, we go from our, what we call our go-go years, like you're, you're earning money having a great time and then you go to your slow slow go years those are the years maybe when you're hitting your 70s 80s you decide you've done your travel you're not gonna do as much and then you, you kind of drops to a smile goes down that spending goes down and then you go to your no-go years where you're really not doing anything but going to doctors all day and your spending goes up again as high as your sort of go-go years your initial retirement years so you know having enough money to cover your your care whether you want care in your house um, if you want to go to a facility, you know, how do you manage all that? And then your end of life wishes, you know, you want to have that documented. How do you, how do you want to be treated? You know, do you, there's documents called f the five wishes. You know, I want someone to bathe me every day. I want someone to hold my hand. I want someone to play music. I want someone to read to me. You know, I want to be left alone. A lot of people will die alone. They don't want someone there. But the family's need is to be there. We let, you know, we surrounded them. Well, sometimes people won't die when everyone's around. They, they keep holding on. So, you know, and then what happens to my remains? Do I want a church service? Do I want a celebration of life? Do I want a traditional burial casket? My full body, I want to be cremated. I want to be scattered in the ocean. You know, all these types of wishes are very, very hard for people to figure out if they don't know them. And one of the other, sort of as our society changes a lot, I think the, the boomers still have more of a tie to re religious religion and formal practices, but their children don't, their grandchildren don't. So if it was important for you to have a church service and you never told anyone, your children may not do that. Um, they may not know how to pick out the readings or the music. So if you can pick those things out in advance, if that's important to you, you, you wanna do that because they may not know. And unfortunately in our society, sometimes people just wanna do things efficiently and there isn't as much thought put into things. So that was a long list of things. Well, I, I know the two things that I, I have to are critical illness because you just never know. And I was fortunate enough to get in early, early days. So ah. I don't pay a lot. And when I turn 75, if I haven't claimed, I get all my premiums back. So, Ooh. so that works well for me, as I say, yeah. early days. <laughs> and they don't work that way in the United States. So that's very good. Oh, okay. Yep. And then the other thing was, and you know, this was maybe my bad over my growth years, is my life insurance got to a stage where when it was renewing, it was ridiculously expensive because I was over 60 or something. Yep. So my financial advisor found a plan that basically gave me enough to cover off any interest on, or like any taxes rather, on okay. any investments so that when the kids are sorting stuff out, 
at least that part is taken care of. Um, which is, which is so, right. Yeah. 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 So, so the, your needs are different. Your needs are, yeah, covering those final state taxes. And, you know, sometimes people also want to prepay funerals. So pe- some people will do that. I don't know if that's as popular in Canada. I think it is amongst a, a certain generation. Yeah. I'm not even sure amongst mine. So, yep. Yeah, it might be the silent generation. <laughs> yeah, because um, yeah, oftentimes it's a family plot. I just went yep. through that with uh, a friend. Is, okay. Uh, yeah, just added to the family plot. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, and a big problem for a lot of places, there's no space left to bury people in a lot of these cemeteries. Yeah, so, yeah. We have another- one. We have one that's local and like I'm in Victoria, which has wow. a lot of people who like are, are generations back. And so this one cemetery is, yeah, it's packed. And apparently because the woman that I'm acquainted with, who is buried there with her parents and her grandparents, uh, she there was three extra plots that I guess oh. her grandfather had bought. And she's the end of the line. She didn't have any children. So now that uh-huh. both her and her husband are, are in the ground, apparent or well, before obviously this happened, but she had yep. sold off those other three plots for a premium because it's oh, such a yeah. desirable place to, to to spend your your final time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, when my in-laws passed away, they had already bought their plot. They lived across from the cemetery, so having a good spot was was key, and it was on the hill with the chapel. But they also had already had their um, headstone engraved with their at least their names and, and the, the, just not the dates. <laughs> well they, the beginning dates not the end dates yeah. but that was a huge gift to the family yeah. not having to think about any of that oh my goodness that was such a such a gift yeah so you mean the fact that i've told my kids to take that one really small life insurance policy just put yep. it on the bar and have a good time yeah. um, <laughs> i gotta write that in somewhere <laughs> yeah, that's that's a wonderful then so that they can have that celebration like the traditional irish wake as they would say there you go and i don't have an irish drop of irish blood in me but you can attack, <laughs> it's okay oh dear okay so you talk about the gift of preparedness is that sort of what we've been talking about yes yes and and again Especially if things are important to you, you know, we have friends in the funeral business and the funerals are for the living. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes people will over dictate things, but they are for the living. So what brings the living comfort? Because you will be gone. Um, and I'm just having, you know, and having those conversations. I also gift preparedness too also is around your values and what was important in your life that you want to carry on, maybe generational stories, the genealogy, you know, the, I actually read an interesting story of a family that the two families got together and had this farm here where I live in Plymouth, Massachusetts. And, you know, the, one family came from New York City, it was a summer house, and the other family was where they raised their eight children. But this land has now been given to a conservation group and it's preserved. And so it's really important for this family to pass that down to their children and their children's children so they understand the sacredness of this land and what it meant and how many families that are related to them have land around this um, this pond. I mean, like those things are like, you can, if you don't put them in writing or tell the stories, they're lost. And that, I think that's really important to, information to pass along as well. I interviewed someone recently who talked about someone they knew who was taking all the, you know, oh, I know, I think it was clearing out stuff because you end up with like boxes and boxes of photographs, right? And so it's nothing was digital, even in in my earlier years. 
So anyways, what she was doing is she was taking all the beautiful photographs that she really, really liked of her children. And she's creating a book for her children where the photograph will be there. And she'll she'll write out the memory that she has of that moment. Uh, and I thought, great. what a gift, you know, because then the children have all of, well, most of the important photographs and can probably easy dis- just easily dispose of boxes of them just uh, yeah. because they have the stories that, that are Absolutely. really important. That's really special. I like that. Yeah, yeah. That might be a good segue. You call yourself a dream architect. Yes. You know, money is a tool Mm -hmm. and it's an important tool, but, you know, just the accumulation of money doesn't lead to happiness or fulfilled life. So our job, I feel, is partly to tease out of people what's most important. So one of the things when we first meet with someone, we we have this the, the three-year question, you know, from sitting here is three years into the future, what do you want to see happen that you feel like you're making progress and that you'd be glad that you hired us? And that tells you a ton of information, you know, short-term goals. Often you can sort of get the long-term goals in there as well and sort of what's important. And then we ask, you know, what's getting in the way of moving forward? And that helps uncover lots of things, sort of, you know, what needs to be taken care of. Often that's where you find out there is no will, you know, there's no trust in place. Then we talk about, so what's going right. So you want to reinforce, you know, because sometimes coming to a a financial planner advisor, can be a very uh, bearing of the soul uh, and it can feel a little, you can feel a little naked. And so some people come with more baggage than others around that. And so some people won't come at all because they don't want to admit they haven't done some things. So, we want to reinforce things. Are, there's often lots of things going well. So let's reinforce those. And then what are the opportunities you want to take advantage of? And that can be, you know, the bucket list dream of, you know, this trip or this generational cruise. And you want to bring all these people together. Whatever it is sort of starts to come out. You know, I want to leave a big pool of money so that that family house can stay in the family so that it doesn't get divided and, you know, sent out because nobody could afford it. And, it's just amazing. So then we try to craft, you know, their plan and their investments to make to return what they need. And most everybody wants a good return. And I think we're hardwired to be like, ah, especially I think people who are very competitive, you know, I want the best return possible. But sometimes you could take on more risk to get that incredible return. But you just remember what happened in the last year or two and how it didn't go so well. Well, you usually go down way worse in those years. So helping people realize like, yeah, you have enough of a base. You don't have to swing so big for the fences. Like we can do this a nice, slow and steady, get you a good return that way. We, we, unfortunately, we had someone come to us a couple of years ago and uh, a curveball happened. He, he got an illness and he died, I believe, in 40 days from the illness. Wow. And they had a trust um, drawn up, but they never signed it and lost, had four homes, lost all four homes, owned, owed a credible amount of money to the IRS. And there was one piece that was um, protected, retirement monies that was protected uh, in a pension. And I remember the son said, she's lost everything. We have to take chances to get it back. And it was like, oh no, like, you don't want to be taking chances at this stage of life because she was in her sixties. So yeah, again, unfortunately there's so many stories where people didn't address things when the curveball comes. And I think sometimes you, you need to give those air because sometimes people need to be scared into 
acting. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh crap. Okay. That, that, yeah, I probably know somebody like that. So I better get going in case it would ever happen to me. Well, I, I will say I, I'm, I'm done with COVID, but I still bring it up often just because that was a scary time for people. That's a motivator. That's a, like, don't lose, let a crisis go to waste. You know, this is where you have to like, there was pain and like, you got to get motivate people to say, okay, yeah, this could, something could happen like this. Like whoever thought we'd be shut down for years and you guys were shut down even more. So again, you have to share those types of stories so that you do motivate people. And often a friend to friend story, family to family story is more impactful than coming from the professional. Yeah. Yeah. Now you talked about how your clients come in and they basically have to bear their soul one thing that always seems to get emphasized and maybe this is a good time to do it is is to find that financial advisor planner that person yep. that you can talk to that you feel comfortable with that you tr- well I mean trust is obviously a huge thing but because of the fact that you need to be honest then find the person that you can be honest with because too often uh, and I, I know women that are guilty of this. They go to whoever the bank has in the next office. And even though they're not comfortable, they that's who they end up with. Well, you don't have to end up with anybody. You choose no. who you get. Absolutely. You have choice. And I think that's sort of the Barbara Stanny, like, don't go out of ignorance or habit. Like, oh, it's just easy because I come to this bank. So I just went there. You want to have someone that you're very comfortable speaking with who listens to you and speaks it in plain English that you understand. There's so many women that will come out and say, I didn't understand what they told me. And I'm like, that's not right. You should never deal with, I mean, there's times when you might not understand you ask for clarification and you should then, you know, sometimes it may take one or two times to get the style to figure out, okay, oh yeah, I get it now, but it shouldn't be all the time. And we just took on a client recently and she said, I never understood what he would tell me. And he would put fear in me that I had to act now. There's very, very rare situations where you have to act now. I mean, anyone who's like, we don't sell products. So it's not like, you know, buy now, buy, get one, get one free. <laughs> you know, there's never like the sale. There's, you know, I work with my husband, Bill, and he always says, you know, investments are like buses. Another one's coming along. So don't ever feel like, oh my gosh, I'm missing out and I have to be. And I feel like that was like with the with Bitcoin and a, a lot of that people, people in their 60s and 70s coming saying, oh my gosh, I think I should be a part of this. I just got a cell phone two years ago. Do you think I should own it? No, like you can't, <laughs> if you can't explain it and you can't, you know, easily at a cocktail party, talk about what you, what you have, that's not good. And I will say I had a very eye-opening experience. It was soon after I became an advisor and I was serving on a board and I was on the investment committee and the the advisor came in and he, I, he was so dismissive to women. And it was very much kind of the like pat you on the head, like, dear, dear, you don't need to understand it. I've got it under control. And you should never ever feel like, no, no, you don't you, you don't need to know that. You you should have any question you have answered. And one and that you can repeat back and, and, and explain what it is that was told to you. Yeah. And I will admit that, you know, it's like physics or advanced algebra for me yep. is, you know, when my financial advisor would start talking, it's I literally would glaze over. I could feel myself glazing over yep. and she's fabulous. You know, yep. I think every every year when we when we 
talk now, she probably allows twice as much time just to make sure that I'm following along. (laughs) And I always tell people, especially women, the most basic thing is you want to spend less than you have. You know, if you're, if you, if you bring in a hundred dollars, a month, you want to only spend 80, you know, you want to be saving. So like, don't overcomplicate this. And that money that you save behind, you want to invest it to make it grow faster, whether that, you know, I, I don't think the bank is, you know, things grow fast enough these days, money markets are starting to pick up CDs are trying to pick up. But you know, you, you have to take on a little risk, or else you can inflation will eat you alive. And you don't want that. But it, it doesn't have to be complex. It just does not. Well, and I mean, speaking of inflation, what have we just gone through this last year? You yeah, know, like with interest rates going up and all sorts of stuff, you know, like it's just and, and prices, groceries are ridiculous. It is. Yeah. And I some people are fortunate they don't have to make any changes, but a lot of people, have, most people have had to make changes. And you say, OK, well, we, maybe we don't have meat four times a week. You know, there was already a, a craze for meatless Mondays. Great time to get on that bandwagon. But yeah. finding ways to to save money without hurting yourself, you know, I, you don't want to be the person sitting in their, their ski parker in the house because you're afraid to turn the heat on. But, you know, it's okay to put a couple of sweaters on sometimes and not put the heat at 75. You know, you, you should be able, you know, people usually freak out when I tell them I, at night I keep the house at 60 and the day 64. And I'm like, well, unfortunately we've had such humidity here. It's not able to do that because I don't have air conditioning, nor would I pay for that. That chilliness, but do you do? Yeah, people, people have been hurting. It's, yeah. You know, people. It's been really real. Well, I heard a a, a poll lately that said, I, I don't know, like a humongous number of people are something like two hundred dollars away from either homelessness or like really mm-hmm. scary situations. Yeah. Um, you know, so when you think about two hundred dollars, like nowadays, th- th- that gets you nothing. Right. That's very true. And, you know, and some, some people make good decisions and end up in tough spots and then other people just don't make good decisions. You know, every time I, 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 we have a place here called Cumberland Farms, you can get used to be able to get a 99 cents iced tea, iced coffee, but now it's $1.29, still very reasonable. But the number of people that I see buying stacks of lottery tickets, you know, and it's like, oh, that's not the that's not the fix to get out of things. You know, you're just compounding it. So not everybody is making good decisions either. Yeah. Yeah, that's a whole nother topic. I won't even yep. go down that road. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, this is a specific thing that's on your website. So I'm going to ask, I think you've probably okay. explained it. Um, a return on life advisor. Yeah. Yep. So I've been a part of a program for a number of years with Steve Sandusky and Mitch Anthony. And, uh, you know, so it's sort of where we started talking in the beginning. Money is a tool and we want to make sure people get a return on their life, get a good return on their money. But it's really money is a tool to to help you live the best life you can. And whether that means you want to take lots of trips, you want to, you know, support the local cat shelter, you know, you want to um, leave a big, you know, legacy to your children. It all is about how you want to live your life. And it's really getting people to think through that. Because again, so many people were so automated, get up, you know, eat breakfast, get in car, go to work, come home, eat, go to bed, uh, or watch TV, and then go to bed. So we uh, most people don't take the time to think about what's really important to them. So do a lot of that 
which which is um it's been it's been really rewarding and i think the clients that get that the relationship's so much deeper i mean it's just it's it's really it's really rich oh that's great yeah now you have a talking point that is one of my favorites oh, okay. <laughs> In, instead of the old end of the road retiring from something to focus on retiring to something that is so true I, I think our society we are just so focused on this like invisible line of retirement and and when you ask people like well why is that important that that date you know and like we have 65 often or 60 in people's heads and and I'm like okay, then what are you going to do? And like, I remember the first time asking that question, the person went, I have no idea. And it stopped them because retirement is a long period of time. And my dad took an early retirement package at 56 or 58. He's 84 now. He's been retired 25 plus years. And, you know, he found hobbies. But if you sat in front of the TV for those years, you you mean, he probably would not be alive. His brain would be mush and his body would have decomposed sitting there. And so I think what work gives us is such a great thing. It gives us structure. It gives us purpose. It gives us a time system. It gives us the financial reward. And if you don't find, have enough ways to replace all that, you know, your financial reward might come in your, you know, your, your um, distribution strategy, whether it be your your pension, social security, your retirement funds. Okay, now that's your paycheck, you know, but purpose, why are you getting out of bed today? Who's who's depending on you? Who needs you? You know, how are you keeping your brain sharp? Uh, how are you still being a contributing member to society? And I think it's just so important to, to really think through that. You know, are you going to go? I know in the United States, volunteering is a really big thing. Uh, is it as big in Canada? Absolutely, yes. I think in I think in Europe, I don't think it's as big as my understanding. You know, those are often jobs. So you're somebody's job rather than you just go volunteer. But that purpose is just everything. And you know, we actually uh, a client recently passed away. I mean, after he re retired, he he went and worked at a homeless shelter. He would even go out in his sixties at night to bring people in um to the homeless shelter and then after that he did a couple of years of working with uh youth groups to teach job skills he did that for like another six years like that's awesome and he died in his 90s you know he had so much purpose and even then he still was doing he was in a barbershop quartet and he had been playing tennis till like his last the year before i mean awesome stuff because he always had a greater purpose and that's uh, retirement, I think, is a, can be a wonderful thing. And I also think, you know, people, I think work is, it doesn't have to be such a four letter word. You know, you maybe you did something because it just paid really well, but now you can do something for the heart. You, I know you've interviewed people that sort of that second act, you know, we, we talk about second act retirement. Uh, you know, go do something that just you enjoy. We had lunch with someone yesterday. He's he had been an, a newspaper editor and now he's helping people like write copy and and do social media and he loves it and he wrote two books when he first retired and just because he loved doing it and and so he's having a ball. Well, and I find too a lot of especially the women I talk to, they haven't really gone in and found out for sure what their pensions would look like. 
And suddenly they give up the nine to five, which that's all I call retirement, giving up that nine to five. You know, you may still be working, but you're choosing more. But, you know, they, they don't have enough money to live on. So they do need something. But that's where you take that just a little bit of time and you go like, okay, what do I want to retire to? That yeah. it will replace part of the income. You probably don't need as much as you had, but let's make it, you know, financially viable, but also more fun, more interesting, more along the lines of something you want to do or that you have the skills to, to morph into pivot into something else. Yeah. And it's a great time to try something you maybe hadn't because like a skill you want to develop, but you know, you, you've got good organizational skills, but you, you know, you, you would then want to take it and you want to do PR or you want to do grant writing, but you've never done it. Um, but you can learn it. It's like, it's, it's just awesome. And now with internet learning, you can learn anything from like your home. So I guess, you know, the world is your oyster at, at every age. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, I, I heard a story yesterday. It was a, um, an older gentleman who just had no purpose in life anymore. He was really advanced in age and wasn't feeling productive and just was ready to give up. But then his neighbor was having a situation and he said, oh, I could pray for you. And then all of a sudden his purpose became praying for other people. And that's all it took. Wow. And, and then he sought out situations where he could pray for people. And I was like, Wow. Like, again, we all just need that purpose and it doesn't have to be big, even though I think prayer is big, but it's, you know, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to change the world, just change a a person's world. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) once again, in this day and age, especially in North America, I mean, it's only North America and I can talk to, I'm sure it's almost global is there is always somebody or something to pray about. Oh, (laughs) absolutely. I'm sure he has a full-time job. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's true. Especially, yeah, if you just get curious about other people, their stories come out and everybody needs prayers. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask how you prepare clients for retirement, but I think you've gone through that, like all the the different forms and documents that you have in place. Make sure that, everybody understands that financial picture yeah understand the financial picture and and now so if the, those who want to go deeper i do things around um, a personal values assessment so helping people figure out where they are on a, a series of uh, values and what's important to that and then i also do you heard of the wheel of life yeah yeah so we do the wheel of life exercise where you take eight you know the one i use has eight areas of life and you you rate your scale of satisfaction from one to 10, one being, you know, the least satisfied to 10. And it's, you know, it's work, it's relationships, it's, you know, personal development, it's faith, it's exercise. And, you know, where do you want to spend more time? And then I have a series of cards, um, life legacy cards. And so it shows you different images. And it's like, okay, which one of these resonates? Maybe travels what resonates. And so kind of go through that. Um, and then through the Return on Life Advisor Program, there's a series of tools there, you know, helping people, you know, think about how, what's their ideal day in retirement? Again, when, when you suddenly, like you said, when you get up to nine to five and you realize, ooh, what do I do between nine to five? And if you've had a traditional sort of relationship where one spouse stayed at home, like there's a lady who, who, who now works um, at the beach near us, checking people, the cars going on and off the beach. And she goes, I had to go to work because my husband works from home. And when I'm there, the dog barks the entire time. And I spend my whole day trying to keep the dog quiet. 
And I realize if I'm not here, the dog isn't loud. And so he can do his work calls easy. And now I'm out with people like so much happier. It's like, so now she feel, figured out how to fill her days and she retired. Uh, but, you know, it's a, just a bunch of different checklists and tools to go through on all that. Some clients want to go through it. Some don't want to go through as much. I mean, some some are so engaged already, but it's it's pretty eye opening for people. I, I had to smell a smile when you talked about the dog because mine is sitting right behind me and she's old and she is snoring so loudly. <laughs> I I don't know if anybody can hear it on in the I audience, but. Oh, that's funny. So yeah, it's yeah. almost distracting. It's so. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that is really cute. Oh dear. Okay, you talk about positive mindset. That can be difficult for a newly widowed person. Ah, uh, true. Yes, and I have such a positive mindset that I have to sometimes. I have to control it, and and sometimes my mother will have a blue day, and she'll be like, "I just can't talk to you today," because <laughs> she doesn't want to hear anything another point of view. So it's, you know, sometimes it's hard. I mean, I, I've met widows who are still tough, still stuck 10 years later. Like, you know, he was such a great guy. Why am I living? And he's not, and they just can't get through it. And I have to also, for me, I have to realize, like, I have to bless and release, you know, you can't change people, but if you can give them some forms of hope, I think a lot of people we'll find a lot of um, good things that they can focus on. So I've been helping out with the Modern Widows Club. It's a club in the United States, and I believe in Canada as well. We have some chapters. Well, there are some chapters. And I've been doing some writing of articles for them on the, on their website. You know, grief, tra- the widowhood is a transformation time. And it's also a time you can stay stuck in what you don't have anymore. But you can also focus on what you do have. You know, what are the blessings you have? And I was having conversations with a couple of women, you know, I no longer have to share the remote control. Okay. Yeah. Yes. You would rather have your spouse back, but kind of nice not having to do that. I can read in bed, uh, you know, as long as I want. I have my house back. Someone said to me, I don't have, he was a hoarder and I don't have the piles and all of this. And I get to decorate it the way I want. And you start to say, okay, what, where, what are these ways that I can do, or like, I have new friends. I never liked the friends we had. And so now I have these different friends or I'm able to pursue all these interests that I, you know, I, I didn't get to pursue before. So I actually, I'm really big on quotes and I've, I've now published two journals for, for, for on grief. The first one is um, called rise up a widow's journal. And it's, it's geared for widows and it's 10 chapters of quotes, 20, quotes per chapter because I find quotes to be so inspiring they just help lift you and I organize them sort of for the the time frame of widowhood you know you find yourself suddenly single you find yourself in grief and you're wondering when does this end you know and and then you know you start to areas of like wisdom you you know wisdom starts to come to you and then you know how do you love again I do have a a chapter on money because I think money for some for everyone death and money kind of have different issues but then it it sort of ends up with quotes and writing prompts around you know um moving forward on your own and then living again like you know you you're we are all meant to have our own rich experience even if our life partner is no longer with us you still are here and you still get to to live and enjoy and it's your choice whether you how how you do that or if you do or don't do that 
I, th- I think too, just you're not forgetting them. They're not, you're not demeaning their memory by getting yeah. on with your own life, your right. own way. So. And, and and some people will jump into another relationship and that still doesn't mean it doesn't dishonor the one you were in. It doesn't mean you love that person any less, but as human beings, most we're really geared to be coupled. I mean, even animals, you know, we're, birds couple, mammals couple, you know, it, it's not, it's okay to be in community, um, you know, and have people around you. You don't have to be alone, you know, and carry it as a martyr, you know, surrounding yourself with love is just so important. And, and what, you know, some people will say their chosen family rather than their birth family, you know, again, find out who that is that makes your heart sing and be around them. And it could be just a group of other widows. It could be, you know, school children that, you know, like, you, surround yourself with love yeah and and be open to well you know the curveball you just never know who's going to come into your life that it isn't necessarily another life partner but is just going to enrich your life in some way and give you a focus and be part yeah. of your chosen family and you know people say sometimes i just want someone to go to the theater with or go to dinner with or just you know watch a movie on saturday night again everybody's looking for something different but there's a lot of companionship is okay too uh, there was just something on the news yesterday about how over COVID uh, we quit talking to strangers, but wow. how even doing that, like, hi, how are you do- doing? Or, you know, getting on the elevator and just talking to someone for a minute or two, how even those little tiny moments enrich our life and how we yeah. need to get back to it now that we're getting back. Uh, I the world. say hi to everyone when I walk in the morning, <laughs> oh, I wave a car and it was really hard at COVID because people literally did turn away and cross the street. And I was like, I'm not stopping. Like, I cannot not acknowledge that you're here. And, you know, so I I think it, and I live in New England where we are often like, "Mm, don't look at strangers. (laughs) I I stand out from that perspective, but I think it it is so important. And actually if a a friend's son wrote a book on talking to strangers um, and, and the magic that happens when you talk to strangers. And I think we need to get back to that. Yeah. Yeah. And I find here too, you've heard of, is it six degrees of separation or seven degrees of separation? I always joke that in this town, it's two degrees. Uh, So the minute you you engage, you're going to find some, like some connection somehow. It's, it's, uh, it's fun and it's amazing. Well, you obviously enjoy people. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's why I'm talking to you. Um, Our audience is mostly mid-aged women. Is there anything I haven't asked that we haven't discussed that you want them to think about or consider as they prepare for their next chapter? I think start preparing sooner versus later, because there's a, there's so many excuses as to, you know, tomorrow, you know, I had a meal recently with someone who's like, I need to collaborate with my husband and all this. And I said, no, he's not going to do it. He's giving you the power to just go do it. So take that power and, and go, you know, I've been trying to get her to open a, her own um, individual retirement account and or investment retirement account. And she has not done it. She's like, I, I want his permission. You need to start exploring early on. And I, another thing, so it's not just retirement, but that middle-aged woman is also, we call it the mommy pink slip. Who is my identity after my children have left the house? And you don't want to find out the day the last child moves out. You want to start exploring things, habits. I mean, not habits, uh, interests, hobbies before you, 
you know, before your pink slip has been delivered to you as a mommy or as your your job ends because you're going to retirement or if the curveball comes, you, you want to have a sense of what's going on. And having that once or twice a year, like, let's just sit down. You know, if we go to a restaurant, we make a nice meal, but talk about our future together. Like, where where are the documents? What what holes do we have? Uh, and don't don't fear that if you talk about these things, something bad will happen, but realize that something good will happen, that you will have, you know, a better communication with your spouse, your partner. And you if something does happen, you know, you'll have a better plan in place. I'll add in there, too, that, you, you know, you talked about just because you, you're talking about doesn't mean it's going to happen. I can remember getting into the depths of all that planning when yep. the children were young. And it was almost like when it was done and dusted in, in that year. Uh, is not I just don't want you to think I, I've never updated it. But once it was done and dusted, it's like, okay, I can die now. Yeah. Well, no, no, you're not going to die. You know, it's just you're, you're prepared for the curveball. You need a sense of peace, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and that's that. I, I, I think we underestimate how much peace brings us. But we live in turmoil and uh, worrying about all the what ifs. But if we just faced some fears, took care of some things, you'd be like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Yeah, yeah, peace of mind. Okay, you've got lots of resources on your website. Uh, plus, you've written books, you have a YouTube channel, you have trainings, retreats. Tell us more. So I get yeah, one of my most um, things that I'm passionate about lately is I have this YouTube channel called Wisdom Wednesday um, with Paula Harris. And I started during the pandemic because so many people were living in so much fear and I wanted to bring hope and positivity, uh, a little bit of prayer and just some ponderings. And that has been a real interesting passion project for the last three years. And I, I used to do it on Facebook and now I've launched it onto its own channel. So I love sharing that. I just published the second journal. Uh, this one's a grief journal. So it's for anyone who's got some type of grief and it's sort of a companion to the the widow's version. And I just found, you know, I, I, my friend Sherry was so encouraging of, of get, doing that. This, the world needs it, whether it, you've lost a human being, a spouse, a child. She's like, I think even this will be great for people who've lost a pet. I mean, that a pet is a member of the family. You know, it could be, you know, sudden loss of a job. Like, you know, people journaling is a great way to get out of your head and and your heart to just let things go onto paper. So that's been really interesting and just love to educate people and share information. And I haven't planned a retreat since COVID, but there'll be another retreat coming. We did retreats for women in transition. So those transition, whether it be retirement, you know, divorce, widow, but where you just need to pause and reflect on who you are, have a little bit of time, you know, it wasn't super like pampering retreat. It was, you know, we did exercises and, did group things and uh, you know someone this week had said when are you doing the next one so i i do want to get back to doing those again oh that's so a lot of different things yeah yeah and i noticed that um you know some of them are obviously paid resources but you have lots of free resources there too yeah Easy yeah we, one, one of the things i, I you know we, prepare, you know, for, for the curveball, prepare after the, you know, get reorganized after, but even after death checklist, which I think is really good. Um, Cause there's so many little things you don't realize you have to do after someone's died. And it's a great sort of um, touch point to see if you're on track and then, then how to support widows, you know, at the holidays, that's a big one, whether you're, you're supporting yourself or you need to support a friend, 
you know, saying the right things are such a big deal. You know, one of my favorite videos on YouTube channel is, you know, what to say at a wake or a funeral um, and what not to say. I'm so sorry is not what you say because you're not more sorry than the person who had the loss. So my condolences is usually much better. My sympathies. That's really quick interjection here. The, this elderly woman that I know uh, had passed and she was adamant that there'd be nothing graveside, but the nieces and nephews said we have to do something because she wouldn't let us do anything for our uncle. Oh. So we did meet there. And of course, does anybody want to say anything? And everybody's sort of staring at the ground. Nobody wants to make eye contact with anybody else. And finally, a, an elderly gentleman who had uh, known her for quite some time stepped forward and uh, he said, you know, my buddy and I here, you know, we've known her for years and, you know, this and this and this and this, what we know is true. And he had just that edge of humor to it. And he stopped and Nobody was going to say anything. And I didn't know her at nearly as well, but I did step forward and I said, I, I can verify that everything that he's just said is true because she would glow when these two men came to visit. And she would say to me, I love talking to them because when we were working together, we all hated the same people. <laughs> and everybody graveside started laughing. And I thought, well, I, I didn't intend for the, all the laughter, but at least it lightened up everything. So, And I because, bet a comment or two was shared after that. Well, people said, oh, sounds like her. Yep. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So where do we find you on the World Wide Web? Sure. Uh, through the business at whcornerstone.com. Uh, YouTube channel is Paula, uh, YouTube, you know, forward slash Paula Harris one. Uh, and then I'm on social media. Um, you can find me sort of out there, usually under Paula Sullivan Harris, or you can, pretty findable. Okay, yeah, I did spot all the links on your website. Yeah. So, see, so website link will be or is always in the show notes, and all the links are on your page at the website. And I usually encourage people to go to the website. Listeners, if you have thoughts on today's show, please talk to us. Leave comments where you're listening, or if you're listening at the Boomer Woman's Podcast at boomwithabang.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and talk to us there. Leave stars and reviews where you can. They help us grow. And share this episode. None of us are getting any younger, and everyone, married and single, should have a good idea of what's going on with their finances. You probably don't know which of your friends is living in silent fear of the unknown. They'll appreciate you for sharing, even if they never tell you. Paula Harris, thank you for being my guest today and sharing your story and your wisdom with us. My pleasure, Agnes, and you are doing a wonderful service for women in this world. Oh, thank you. Have a great rest of week. Thank you, you too.